Um, today's word comes from Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 24. So the armour of God. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak word, whenever I speak words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This is the word of the Lord. Mm, thanks be to God. Colin, thanks so much. Well, here we are, friends. We're, we're coming to the end of this wonderful book of Ephesians after 10 weeks in the midst of it. I hope you found it as encouraging as I have. Uh, next week, we are doing things a little differently. We'll have one final look at Ephesians, but um, taking it from start to finish in a morning um, with a whole bunch of time for for singing and reflecting and praying in different ways uh, in light of the things that God's been teaching us and, and kind of probing and prodding us with. Uh, but this week, we tap into a deep longing that I think we all share. And I wonder if you agree. I think we all long to be strong. I think we all want to be strong, not necessarily in the big kind of big muscles, big biceps kind of way, but I think that in one way or another, it's a shared longing of the human heart that we would be strong, strong in life. And it was a very trivial thing that got me thinking about that over the last week, because finally my wife and I, we got along to see the latest Top Gun movie, Maverick, right? As a teenager, I loved the original Top Gun. I mean, I was a teenager, right? So I couldn't stand the romance, but my dad, my dad was a pilot and he'd loved, instilled in me a love of aircraft and he, didn't, he flew Cessnas, not, not F-18s, but uh, the sheer power of those jets, but also I think the mental strength of those pilots under such pressure, under such stress, just fascinated me. And yes, the new version is quite, quite enjoyable. It, 
did seem like a fair bit of it, it was just an excuse to make Tom Cruise look good. But if you haven't seen it, my goodness, the flying is outstanding. But Tom Cruise's role, Maverick, by his name even, he's the one who has the strength to go against the flow, to be his own man, to take on the ego of his allies and the evil of his enemies. At least that's how I think they should have had the tagline. But if the movies are trying to scratch where we itch, it did occur to me as I watched a few trailers roll by that I think the movies would suggest that we do all want to be strong in one way or another. Maybe it's the comic strength of the Marvel superheroes. I mean, Thor is about to hit the screens as they take on the big bad guys of the universe. But it's also the strength of those real-world characters that captivate us, those that defy the odds, that stand up against public opinion, who survive incredible hardship or fight for justice. Maybe even it's just the strength to love again after betrayal. It seems that our movies are tapping into a really deeply held desire for all of us to be strong in some way. And honestly, I think if we reflect on it at the moment, it's not surprising that we want to be strong given all of the ways that we feel pretty weak. I mean, hasn't COVID shown us just how vulnerable, how fragile we are? Or the constant cycle of bushfires and and floods and droughts? Or the various ways that we've helpfully recognised, particularly recently, groups in society many of them long overdue in being recognised for their particular vulnerability. I mean, Aussies are good at rallying together, but there are lots of things that, that highlight just how fragile we are. I think we long to feel strong, while in many ways, when we're honest with ourselves, we feel very weak. So I think there's something incredibly timely about Paul's conclusion to this book of Ephesians. As we read in that opening verse, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So for all of the reasons that we might not feel strong, or for all of the reasons that we might be tempted or feel the burden of having to look within ourselves for that strength, I think this is really timely. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. You see, at one level, it's simply an instruction. It's it's Paul telling the Ephesians, it's God telling us, be strong. But embedded in that instruction, there's a beautiful hope, a realistic hope, that we can be strong. And not because we've found it within ourselves, but because there is a greater strength to be found in the Lord Jesus, in His mighty power. As I've been reflecting on this, I think that's that's an incredible encouragement for the Christian person. Everyone of us feels the weakness of our faith and our resolve or our capacity to weather the challenges of life. But it's also an invitation, if you're not yet a Christian person yourself. There's an implicit invitation here to see that this can be your reality too, if you're willing to find your strength in the Lord Jesus. But let's be honest, I don't know about you, if... if, you've read this through for the first time, perhaps the first time in a long time, it can be quite kind of jarring to see that this encouragement comes with such a very different perspective on the world and one that actually says that we are far more vulnerable than we'd really ever want to admit. Let me read again from verse 11 and 12. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, at this point, we actually need to see that we're, we're far more vulnerable than we would ever want to admit because right here, God, God pulls back the curtain and He shows us the behind-the-scenes view of the universe. And if it's true, it's terrifying. It's a picture of evil spiritual forces who are opposed to God and His purposes. They are led by the devil who the Bible describes as not just a force but a, a personal being who is just full of hatred and malice. If it's true, it's, it's a terrifying picture. Now, as an aside, I say, if it's true, not because I doubt it, but because I want to acknowledge that for the scientifically minded amongst us, you know, this has got to be one of the big question marks that sits alongside faith in Jesus. The suggestion that there is some kind of spiritual realm beyond what we can see, beyond what science can analyse. I appreciate that it's a massive claim. And it's one that many people relegate to the category of fairy tale. And yet it's good for us to know that that's certainly not how Jesus treated it. In fact, the historical record describes him engaging in all kinds of supernatural activity and he taught about it a fair deal too. And for that reason, I don't think there's anything irrational about this worldview. A worldview that acknowledges a spiritual realm that we can't actually see but that God tells us we need to know about. So I simply want to acknowledge that for some of us, this might be a massive question, might even be a hurdle to trust in Jesus. But if that's the case for you, I simply want to invite you into a conversation to kind of explore where your questions are at. But with that noted, the point that Paul is making is that this is the spiritual landscape that we live in. There is a battle going on. And no amount of maverick, no amount of individual bravado will overcome the forces of evil. None of us can you know, pull a Top Gun move and just jump into the cockpit and prove that we've got the strength to win the day. We are far more vulnerable than we'd like to imagine. So the big question I think that sits there is, well, how should we think about this spiritual realm? Because I think there are three pretty common errors. On the one hand, we might be prone to ignoring it, or being totally absorbed by it, or plain terrified. You see, on the one hand, this passage makes it really clear that we cannot simply ignore this spiritual battle, because it is a reality. And giving the imagery that Paul uses as he follows on with this soldier putting an arm, a set of armour on for the fight, if you like visual images, you picture that soldier in their armour, to ignore it entirely would be to show up on the battlefield in your underpants far more than just embarrassing, it would be a fatal error. But on the other hand, it's really actually important that we don't overplay it either. To be absorbed in the analysis of the spiritual forces of evil and the endless strategizing of how we are going to overcome them. If you've not noticed over the six chapters of Ephesians, Paul certainly isn't absorbed by it. In the whole sweep of the New Testament, it certainly rates a mention, but it's hardly the main way that we're encouraged to approach life. So it is helpful to recognise the reality of the spiritual realm, but then let God set the agenda for how we stand firm against it. Because while it's real, we don't need to be absorbed by it, and we don't need to be terrified by it either. Because the battle has already been won. Ephesians began with that great assurance. Jesus has won. He sits on the throne, we're told, far above all rule and authority and every power and dominion. 
Jesus has won, but we are vulnerable unless we are strong in Him. So what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Well, from verse 13 to 18, Paul turns to this military metaphor to, to help us know how to stand firm and I think to help us kind of get the sense of urgency that sits behind this. For all of the fun of seeing the kids dress up in a soldier's outfit, the metaphor hits hard, it should hit hard because there is nothing trivial about this. Now, we could spend a whole sermon unpacking this armour of God, you know, piece by piece. And that would be a good use of time. But I think Paul's emphasis is actually on the package as a whole. Put on the full armour of God. It's the, it's the complete set for the well-prepared soldier. So what is it? Well, in short, it, it's actually putting on Jesus. Putting on Jesus and all that He has done for us. We can only be strong in Him. And so Paul will describe this armour as consisting of, of truth, which in this book of Ephesians, that's not just the vague idea of truth, but it is the truth that is Jesus. And we're protected by righteousness, which is so much more than just the right deeds that I do, because righteousness is really about right relationships. And in particular, the right relationship that God gives us through faith in Jesus. So righteous living, yes, it involves the things that you do. But that flows out of the right relationship that we have in Jesus. That's how we stand firm. Are we strong in the Lord when our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace? Which reminds us that the gospel is not just some formula of you know, Jesus plus faith equals heaven. The gospel is news. It's the announcement that Jesus has won the victory over sin and death, that He brings peace for everyone who would join Him. Putting that on is like having feet that are prepared to move, they are nimble and they are prepared for the rigours of being on the battlefield. And we take up the faith as a shield and by now we're seeing the pattern that this is all about Jesus, not us, so it's not actually about the shield of my faith, as if I'm protected by how big and strong my faith is, but it's the faith. The content of the promises of God to us in Christ, the one faith that unites the people of God around the Son of God. And we put in salvation that we've already learned in chapter 2 comes from God by His grace through faith in Jesus that He gives as a gift. We wield the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God which from beginning to end it's the message about Jesus and God's plan centred on Him and our need for Jesus and His work in our life. And over all of this we put on prayer because the sentence actually rolls on from verse 17 right into verse 18. We put on prayer over it all at all times we put on Jesus. But Paul's not dull in his imagery, is he? This isn't just a list. It's a graphic metaphor that captures the gravity of the situation. We sit here, apart from perhaps a little chilly, maybe the seat a little harder than we'd like, but pretty comfortable. And yet there's a profound sense of urgency. And even halfway through, Paul paints the picture of the battle raging. It's not just hand-to-hand -hand combat, they're certainly not messing around with wooden swords, the fiery arrows of the evil one raining down because this is not a drill. This is live fire, it's shoot to kill. If, if the Hollywood blockbusters have done us any favours, it's that they've given us just a hint 
of the chaos of the battlefield so that perhaps we can start to imagine the terror of those flaming arrows bearing down, of, of the forces arrayed in front of us. It is hectic. It is messy. This is not a drill. So to stand firm, we need to suit up. Now the reality is this battle has already been won, but the struggle continues on the front lines as the forces of evil take out anyone they can in their final death throes. That's the consistent witness of the New Testament, that Jesus has won, but the devil, the devil sorry, prowls around like a roaring lion is an image that the apostles use. That he's still the father of lies who would tear down and destroy. And the primary battlefield is not actually out there for physical territory or even for public status but it's in the hearts and minds of people. You will only stand firm if you stand firm in Christ and in His strength. And as we said, I think we all want to be strong and the great news is that we can be strong, but only in the Lord Jesus and in His mighty power. Attempting it in any other way is like rocking up to battle in your underpants. But as powerful as that image of putting the armour on, it's a, it's a metaphor, right? It's a picture that's meant to take us to the reality. We're not, we're not actually gearing up for physical conflict. Don't you know, storm off out of here down to Westfield, Marion, and start getting rough with people. It's a picture to help us to reflect on what we need to do. What does it mean to put that picture into our day-to-day lives? Well, I've got three practical suggestions as I've been thinking this over. Putting the armour of God on, we need to do it habitually, We do it reactively and proactively. You see, it's a habit. It's the habit of putting the armour on every day. As I was thinking about this, it kind of struck me in the most obvious ways. There are two things that all of us do every day, except maybe the occasional uni student. Because every day, we'll wake up and every day we'll go to sleep. So use that to form the habit of your first and your last thoughts in the day to put on Jesus. It can just be brief words of prayer. They can be quiet times in His Word. To dwell in His truth, to thank Him for His salvation, to, to help Him to live in light of His righteousness, which He's made your own. Make it a habit to put the armour on, your first and last thoughts. But it's also entirely appropriate actually we need to be more reactive too there is a sense in which it's entirely appropriate to check your armor when things do get hectic you know during those times in the day when you're you're under the pump and the struggle feels very real i don't know your scenario perhaps it's because the kids the kids have just been at you all day long and your temper is fried or because your boss is just on your case again and again, the deadlines are looming and so is your anxiety. Or maybe your mates have just invited you into that situation that you know is just going to be full of temptation. And I think especially in those moments when we've actually stumbled in sin and we need to remember that God will hold us fast as we cling to Jesus in repentance and faith. The battle is real. And it's good in whatever those times might be to pause and to pray, to ask God to bolster your armour, that He'd remind you what it means to be in Christ, to have His righteousness as your own, allow that to shape the way you live, that 
You'd continue to have feet that are prepared with a readiness to take the gospel out, to be reactive. And so we pray in the moment and I want to encourage you to have God's word in hand, not as someone suggested up here to beat your friends over the head with it, but actually to keep reframing our perspective in the heat of battle. And I think one of the greatest features of having a smartphone in your pocket is that it actually gives you the ability to take the Bible with you everywhere you go. If you don't already have the Bible on, you know, on your phone, just, just jump onto your app store and get it. And when you get it, read it. In your lunch break, on the train, wherever it might be. And be strong in the Lord. And then thirdly, I think it's really helpful to be proactive. Our armour needs to be proactively maintained. There is a reason why, in the real world, battle-ready soldiers, they are constantly running drills, they are constantly breaking down their weapons and cleaning them and, and rebuilding them, so that when they're out there, they're ready to go. And that reshapes what we think we're doing this morning. This is what Sunday is. It's proactively checking our armour. It's what growth group is. It's what our, our prayer group at, at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning is. It's what any conversation with a Christian friend can be, a chance to check your armour, that you've got the truth of God around you, that you remember that your salvation is found in Jesus alone, to help each other put on Jesus. Making sure you've not lost sight of His grace, that you're covering it all in prayer. So I think three ways to put on the full armour of God. It's daily habits. It's reacting in the difficult times. And it's proactively preparing. Because this is not a drill. Don't get caught in your undies. And yes, I want you to go home with that image in your mind. So that you don't do it. Put on the full armour of God. And so finally, I love seeing the way Paul concludes this whole book as he's written this letter of great encouragement to the church in Ephesus that he loves and he knows their struggles. He wants them to stand firm in the faith of the Lord Jesus. And then this great giant of the faith, Paul, the church planning evangelist, arguably the world's greatest theologian since Jesus himself. Did you notice that even Paul was afraid of the reaction that he would get when he shared the gospel? Otherwise, why would he ask for prayer that he would preach fearlessly? Paul knew that standing firm in Christ, it's much more than just holding your ground, it's actually about holding out the news that Jesus has won, that he brings peace to all who are with him, that the terror of turning your back on him, that's awful beyond your comprehension. To pray that we would you know, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, not just individually, but together as God's people. That's how he concludes this letter. Verse 19, sorry, he says, let me find it on the page. Pray also for me, which is to say, this is what he's praying for everyone and he wants us to be praying for each other. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Isn't it comforting to see that even Paul was prone to the temptation to duck and cover instead of standing firm. And yet he knows that the spiritual battle means that whatever our physical circumstance might be, we still have the opportunity to point other people to Jesus. As he says in verse 20, he was an ambassador in chains. 
And just think about that for a moment. What are ambassadors meant to do? Ambassadors are people who are meant to go places, to represent one government to another, one nation to another. They're meant to go places. And here Paul is in chains in a Roman prison. He's not going anywhere physically. But because this is not about a physical battle, but a spiritual one, even though physically he's in chains, yet that doesn't stop him representing Jesus to those around him. And he longs to be bold. But I love it that Paul actually gives us a glimpse of his own weakness, his own fears. Because it's such a helpful encouragement to us that whoever we are, this isn't about finding the strength within ourselves. From head to toe, from start to finish, it is all resting on Jesus to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Strong to stand firm, and standing firm means holding out the word of truth, even if you're in chains, whatever they might be. Standing firm and holding out the gospel of hope and of peace. Peace, because we know the battle's already been won. And Paul sums that up in his final farewell. This is what we have together in Christ, peace. We have love and faith, we have grace. It is all in Christ. So let's pray that we'd stand firm in Him. Will you pray with me? Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank You for this wonderful journey that You've taken us on through this book of Ephesians that began with Your tremendous, outrageous plans for this universe in Christ and Your kindness and mercy that You've included us in them. And now with this gentle but but stark reminder, Lord, that This is not a drill. There is nothing trivial about this. There is a battle for hearts and minds and within our own heart and mind as well that we might stand firm in the Lord Jesus. Father, we know there'll be times when we're tempted to to go it our own way. Help us to stand firm. We know there'll be times when we feel hopelessly inadequate. Help us to stand firm in the Lord Jesus and in his mighty power. And Father, there'll be times when we would rather, you know, duck for cover in the trenches, help us to stand firm, holding out the word of life, and hope, and peace, that you've given us in Jesus, for a world that so desperately needs to know him. And we pray all of this in his mighty name. Amen.